Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and you can get 20% off your order and free shipping around the world. I'm Jake and that's Will. Uh, episode 102 of Beers Business at Balls. We blinked our eyes and ended up with one hell of a New York trip to write home about. So we apologize for the three-week hiatus. Been very busy world. Um, last week in New York, one for the books. Uh, and we're going to... We're going to take inside our conversation shortly. Um, any, I mean, it's almost unfair to pick a highlight from last week. Um, we can maybe eliminate the Yankees game. I mean, still being at game five of the ALDS was, as the finance and frat bros say, a movie. But <laughs> I no, it was just a crazy 36 hours. I mean getting to go to MSG for Big East Media Day, meeting up with the Road to the Garden guys, doing all of the interviews for House of College Hoops is pretty spectacular. Going to the Yankee game, and then, of course, meeting up with Marks Takes Radio, Gracie Marks, going to Barstool, finally connecting with the Wonton Don, unexpectedly being on the Macrodosing podcast. It was 36 hours that was a month in its own, so... It was a really, really cool experience and a lot of great audio and content that you'll be listening to at this very moment. And also the pizza. We got some fire pizza that uh, Wednesday night too. Modern, New Haven, A+. You've now had all four, so we'll expect a review at the end of this. Um, There's a blog coming. Okay, there we go. We won't give any uh, any spoilers then. So let's hop into it. You're going to hear... Right off the bat, uh, what we've been working on these past couple of weeks, episode 102, we're going to start with our macro dosing podcast appearance. Go watch it. They talked about uh, drug smuggling. They talked about a bunch of cool stuff. That was with Billy Football, Arian Foster, and the Wonton Don. Uh, Our segment is around six minutes with them. Uh, We talked with recurring BBB guests, uh, Andy Katz, along with Ed Cooley, Providence, the Providence legend, really. And then Patrick Ewing, uh, who you might have had an all-time interaction with. Um, that was sick. Go watch the video is all I'll say. And uh, Shaka Smart from Marquette. We talk with all of those folks, and it's coming up uninterrupted right here on episode 102 of Beers, Business, and Balls. Here it is. All right, so we are interrupting this podcast just to bring you a quick beer review, but it's a very special beer because it's my own. A couple of years ago, I tweeted out that there should be a beer brewed specifically to be drank in the morning, and it should be called Don's Early Light. It was just like a throwaway tweet. I was super hungover. I drank one beer. It cured the hangover, and I was like, someone needs to actually start marketing beers just for that purpose. And uh, I thought Don's Early Light was a clever name. And uh, House Brewing Co., um, also the boys from uh, the podcast Beers, Balls, and Business. Is that what it's called? Beers, Beers, Business, and Balls. Beers, Business, and Balls podcast. Um, They're also uh, microbrewers. Is that what you you could you could certainly say that yeah Yeah. nano brewers maybe sure okay yeah yeah. Yeah, you're now nano (laughs) brewers whatever works for the nano brewers um and so they they saw my tweet and they actually turned it into a reality so here we have don's early light uh it's brewed with yerba mate right oh so that's where it gets the caffeine we're a mate podcast yeah yeah we sometimes drink mate and go nuts that stuff's potent yeah, it's, I got yerba. I got yerba at my uh, at my desk. All right, yeah, I think it's one of my favorite forms of caffeine. It's got a little more kick than that. It's got quite a kick, but does it make you super jittery? Or? No, no. It's got um, it's one of those plants that have a sort of they haven't really tested it, but it's kind of it's got a little narcotic type thing, like coca leaf type thing going for it. All right, that's in some of the other chemicals, but that's pretty awesome. It's like definitely in our experience, you can feel it. It's like kind of not a head high, but it's like it definitely gets you going a little, a little bit, bit of a buzz. You, yeah. Have you thought of the societal implications of a beer that's made for breakfast? Um, yeah, but it's not a beer that it's, you're not supposed to wake up and chug like six of these. Okay. I think, I think you only drink yeah, like yeah, one at have, a time. They have, mimosas, they have mimosas and stuff like that on brunches. It's not a big deal. There, yeah. is, there is oranges too. All right. Yeah. Okay. You got oh, oranges, yerba mate, and it's yeah, a- we, we can walk you through. Okay. So we, we 
when you said you're like, we need something to be brewed at breakfast or drinking at breakfast, we immediately thought, wow, what if you combine the blue moon with like tea and oranges because you get the orange from the blue moon and you get the tea because the caffeine and things like that. So we basically, when we were testing this out, we're like, well, let's see what blue moon tastes like with orange juice. Okay. And we're like, shit, that actually kind of yeah. works. Like, so, so that's what we did. We, it's a very basic Belgian wheat beer. Um, brewed it like a Belgian wheat, took like four weeks probably, and then we added some tea in right when we took it off the kettle too. And then we basically bottled it with, I think it was orange and mango extract. Um, yeah. So you put it. real tea in it. It's not like you just, you didn't like crush up a caffeine pill or something No, like leaves. That. Okay. This All is right. the leaves from the tea, not even like the just a bag of tea or bottle or yeah, anything like that. Yeah, real tea, uh, real oranges, real everything. All right, well, let's test that one out. sip. Everybody knows the rules. That is very refreshing. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. Does does it satisfy all your needs you were looking for in that moment before you tweeted? Yeah. Well, that was like a morning I was extremely hungover. I'm not hungover <laughs> today, but this is definitely hitting the spot. Well, we've tested it. We we were hungover at one point when it was done bottling. And yeah. It did help. Okay. So, and again, we're not scientists. We're not experts. Yeah. I mean, the only... Um, caffeine alcoholic drink that used to be around was for loco but uh they think there was like a, a legal case they had to they had to take the caffeine out yeah. right yeah and but they're now a sponsor for barstool so definitely drink the non-caffeinated for loco um these you cannot get at the store so you know i feel fine promoting them uh at the moment so i think so do only like six of these beers exist right now or you have 18 i have 18 all and right that's it for now. Okay, for now. I'm going to cherish those 18 beers. I remember the last time you brought me a six pack, my girlfriend just like drank one one night. And I was like, <laughs> I only have six. What the hell? She did then DM us. That's why we made the second case because she was just like, I accidentally drank. I thought these were like an unlimited source. It yeah, was like, that no, was like, that was, I think that was yeah. my last one and, and she drank it. We're but. like, who's this DM from? We're like, oh shit, it's one of Tom Dodd's girlfriend. We gotta, we gotta get out Well, of this I mean, here. it's very thoughtful that she reached out to you. Would you like to try a sip? I'll take a sip. I'll okay. take a sip. That's a spirit. I don't want to. I don't want to get Billy going. <laughs> Very floral, floral aromas. Somali mm. <laughs> or Billy over here. Mm. Uh, very hoppy. Very hoppy beer, but definitely uh, can taste the floral aromas and a little bit of the small bitter aftertaste of the mate. Very okay. nice. Now, very is it nice a very beer. hoppy beer, or is he just like just saying that to sound? It's like not overly hoppy. Okay. Yeah. It's uh. It's hoppier than a Coors Light, which is my yes. favorite beer for it the record. Definitely uh, hoppier than a Coors Light. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, listen to the Beers Business and Balls podcast, right? Yeah. So you guys talk about business, sports, and beer. Yep. Yeah. All that's great. name explains itself, man. Sweet. That, that sounds like quite the combo. I really appreciate you guys coming through, and I'm going to make these 18 beers last. There we go. And if you need more, we'll make more. All right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. Mm. All right, everyone. Andy Katz, uh, college basketball royalty. Um, <laughs> Big East Media Day at Madison Square Garden. Um, how great is this to have so many new faces in the Big East, first of all, this year? Yeah, it's rare. We got four new coaches, although they're not new to the Big East. Uh, Kyle Neptune, obviously, had been at Villanova. Uh, Sean Miller and um, Thad Mata had previously been head coaches at their respective schools. Shaheen Holloway, obviously, Seton Hall alum. So new in these roles, but not new to the Big East. Creighton's got the target on their back this year. Um, and this was a shock a couple of weeks ago, for sure. How different is this Creighton team going to have to, to respond now that they're the, the hunted, if you will? It's an unfamiliar position for them. Yes, it, well, for this group. Uh, I think we got to think back to when Doug McDermott was in this league. On this floor, they had a great run. I think it was their first year in the Big East, if I'm not mistaken. So they've been in this position in this league. Um, but this just shows, I think, the fact that Creighton's one and Xavier's two shows the transition of the league. Villanova still is sort of the gatekeeper. I feel like they still have to be knocked off the perch, even though they don't have the personnel yet, um, and a new coach. But, yeah, I think it signifies, and we saw this really with Providence last year, new, newer faces near the top of the league, I think is healthy for the conference. And you bring up a team like Villanova where they're obviously 
having some key injuries, you know, with uh, Whitmore and Moore, but where do you see them keeping afloat in the early part of the season while these guys return? Yeah, I mean, the, the difficult thing for them is going to be weathering that. they got a very difficult schedule. Um, but on the plus side, they're good games. The league will be strong. And I still think by the time we get into January and February, they will be a factor, assuming those guys come back in some form or fashion. You know, there's no timetable on Moore. Uh, Whitmore, Whitmore is still in a cast, I believe. But so it's a wait and see, which I think to some degree takes some pressure off of Kyle Neptune. And, of course, you know, last year we had a team like Providence, ranked very low in the preseason rankings, came out incredibly hot. Who do you think that team is this year? Um, I haven't memorized the middle part of the, the, the predictions. But I would say, you know, I'd say Seton Hall and St. John's, really. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the big thing with St. John's will be their front court. Posh Alexander and Andre Curbelo, if they stay on the court together. Curbelo has had a lot of injuries in his career, but if that backcourt reaches its potential, that's going to be really disruptive. Who's the guy that's improved the most this year, do you think? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I guess I want to see... There's such a buzz about Jordan Hawkins from UConn. And again, another key guy for UConn. To be, it's kind of weird that we, UConn's not mentioned much. Um, I thought they'd be picked maybe second. So, um, you know, by the way, uh, you guys know this, correct me if I'm wrong, that because that game was not played last year, this is the first time since the, you know, years ago that we're going to get a true home-and-home with UConn and Providence um, with fans, I should say. This is a long time coming. Because UConn went to Providence the COVID year in 21 with no fans. I was at that game. It was pretty dreary. Yeah. Yeah. So now to have the fans back for UConn to come into whatever we're calling it now, um, I think that's going to be a great atmosphere. And to close it out, what is one hot take that Andy Katz has for the Big East? One that you've been, you know, marinating a little bit, thinking about. What is that one well, that might gonna... make people angry? <laughs> um, all right. Will you press me on that? I'll say that St. John's will make the tournament. That's irrational. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Not like too it. hot. It's hot enough to maybe make some people mad, but 90% of the group will, will enjoy I'm it. I'm sure you'll post this. You know. yeah. <laughs> Andy Katz. Thanks, Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Appreciate you. Awesome. Right. Thanks so much. Right. And now we have Nick's legend and Georgetown head coach, Patrick Ewing. Hey, Coach, how's it going? Uh, first question. So I saw the recent video of your players not being able to name your former teammates. I mean, you're in the garden. Did you give them a history lesson before uh, hopping in? No, I, I, did, I did not give them a history lesson. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, this is B. Wright's first time uh, being in the garden. Uh, this is cool. This has been here before. Um, so, unfortunately, they didn't know a lot of the guys. But um, I'm, sure, I'm sure they do now. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, it makes you feel old, but it makes me feel old, too, and I'm only 25. So, And then with this team, I mean, you have a lot of new talent, but you also have a returner like Harris. What is a player like him showing these new guys, you know, hey, last year was not who we are as the Hoyas. This is a new year coming. Well, you know, I think everybody knows that. Everybody sees that. You know, that's the reason why we brought these, these, these guys uh, to our program. We believe that they can help us get back to where we you belong um, and started with these two guys right here um, to me that these two guys are going to be the, our one two punch that we, that we're going to need to be successful and also the rest of the guys so you know we, we brought in some we brought in nine new faces uh, eight uh, seven transfers and two and two freshmen and I expect for all these guys uh, to do something positive to help us I know I know I thank you coach good luck thank you next up Providence College head coach, Ed Cooley. All of us, the one thing about the Big East, and I hope all of you write this, the Big East is a brotherhood of coaches. All right? When we play each other year, do we want to smash each other and win the game? At the end of the day, we're under the same umbrella of the Big East. And our goal is to put, A, as many teams in the NCAA tournament and try to compete for national championships. At the end of the day, this is my brother. There's my brother over there. There's my brother. We're all connected. And I don't think there's a more cohesive coaching unit in all of America 
that, that's the, the easiest right? men's that basketball. Is, that is not this, not. So back in April, when he rejoined this brotherhood, especially now as a head coach too, how did you all welcome him? I said, Shaheen, I hope you win every game, and I hope you're dog shit for two. That's exactly what I told him. That's a mic drop right there, baby. Talking about, you know, obviously you're part of the John Thompson. How's it feel now with the emergence of a lot of these coaches? I can't speak for the other guys. Having them now on board in this big. Oh, I'm I'm very proud. You know, I'm very proud being one of the elder statesmen of the league and see how many different coaches have come and gone. Um, I'm proud of them. Not only that, I'm proud of the youth. I miss Kyle being younger, Shaheen being younger. As we're getting a little older, we got to continue to do as as the ambassador of the game, as a guardian of the game. Basketball has to stay healthy, you know. Um, it's changing. The game is changing. Culture's changing. You know, uh, it's a lot of different change with our rules, with our you know, with the transformation of college athletics. I think we got to remain young. We have to be wise, but to have some younger guns coming in um, to continue to keep the biggie strong and continue to play in Madison Square Garden, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. And coach, last year, so one thing that was cool about the biggies, you talk about this brotherhood. I remember you went uh, when Marquette won a game. You're like, all right, let's go shock. Like, it makes the conference right. better. But you won the biggie, the uh, biggies coach of the year, the national coach of the year as well. Do you feel like there's a target on Providence's back coming into this season with you know some new transfers as well and returning? players like Jared and I don't know if we've earned the target yet. The target's still going to be on Villanova. They've earned that target. I think the target's going to be on Connecticut. Uh, they've earned that through the years. I think the target's going to be on, on Xavier and Creighton as they, you know, by the coaches think they're going to be really good, not just in our league, but nationally. We'll embrace the target. I don't think as an organization we haven't earned it consistently enough yet. Yet it's something that uh, I've had a target on my back since I've been born, so I'll always coach with a chip. I'll coach my team with a chip. And, you know, I always tell, just like I told the last person asking the question, pressure is a privilege. Pressure is an absolute privilege. So I'll embrace it and be the best that I can be and try to mentor our men to be the best that they can be. And here we have Marquette head coach Shaka Smart. Shaka, this is year two in the Big East for you, right? And. A lot of discussion this year has been how many new faces are on the scene, but all of a sudden, now you're <laughs> you're probably in the top half of the tenured guys here. Um, what have you learned about yourself last year at Marquette into this year, and how is that different from the rest of your experience as a head coach? I mean, every experience as a head coach, you learn about yourself, and you continue to collect experiences and put them in your pocket so that you can use them later. Uh, for me, the biggest uh, advantage that I have sitting here now is that I've coached our guys a year longer, our returning guys, than I had last year at this time. The way we do things is about relationships, and it takes time to develop relationships and develop genuine care and concern for one another. That's how we choose to go about it. Not everyone operates that way. That's fine. Um, they can do things their way, we're going to do things our way. But what I've learned is a lot of valuable information about Tyler Kolick and Osa Iguodaro and Omax Prosper and Stevie Mitchell and all of our other players that will help me support them in going through this gauntlet of a season that is called the Big East. guy like Cam Jones this year, honored last year by the league. What does he bring to you guys this year? Cam Jones, he brings a lot of exuberance, excitement, uh, he's one of the most grateful kids I've been around. Uh, I wouldn't trade him for anyone. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, I'm really appreciative of how coachable he is and how driven he is to improve. So sophomore year, here we come. And as this Marquette style of play starts to develop, what do you want the Marquette Golden Eagles to look like going forward? Once Enthusiasm, passion, energy, excitement, EGBs, energy generating behaviors, and again, genuine care and concern for one another on the court. It's a team sport. Thanks, Coach. You got Appreciate it. you. All right, here with Jared Bynum, Providence College, the Friar legend. Jared, how's it going? How's Big East Media Day going? Uh, it's been great. It's been fun, you know, seeing all the teams in the league, you know, Get to talk about how great my teammates are. You know, it's been a good experience.
you are in so many ways you embody the friar mold right came from st joe's where sort of uh you know, that untested guy that people doubted, right? Uh, how have you seen your game grow these past couple of years in Friartown? Yeah, well, you know, I experienced a lot of doubt in my life about my game, but, you know, coming to a place like Friartown is a place that embraced me and for who I am and, you know, gives me a lot of confidence to play how I do and be who I am. So, you know, it's been fun. It's been great. And, you know, I love Friartown. And that showed last year with your accolades, obviously six man of the year, and, of course, you know, the nice little tournament run. But this year, congratulations on the uh, preseason uh, first team, first all team. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, being able to get that recognition in the Big East, you know, it's a conference I always wanted to play in growing up. Always been a Big East fan, so just got to keep proving everybody wrong, but prove those who believe in me right. And last year, you know, no one expected to have the Jaron Bynum we have today, but who is this year's Jared Bynum for this Friars team? Obviously, a lot of new faces. So, who's going to come in and take that role that you have? Yeah, um, I'm not sure. You know, we didn't know we were going to have a six man of the year last year, but, you know, it turned out that way. So, you know, that's just proves, you know, how random college basketball is sometimes. And, you know, once we find out who's going to assume that role or, you know, take over that role, then I'm sure they're going to run away with it. A lot of new guys on the roster this year. Nine new guys, to be exact. Who stood out these first few weeks of training and, and over the summer as well? Yeah. Um, Definitely uh, Bryce Hopkins. You know, he's been somebody I love playing with and pick up. You know, I hate when he's on the other team and pick up, but, you know, he's been fun to play with. And uh, Jaden Pierre, you know, freshman point guard coming in. You know, somebody that pushes me in practice. He's a hard worker, and, you know, I feel like he's going to be great. How far can this Friars team go this year? I think we can go as far as we want to, as we want to. You know, once it clicks for us, you know, whether that's right away or later down the season, but once it clicks, you know, I think this is an NCAA tournament team, and hopefully it's going to reach for you as Big East champion. And is there an element for you it's like, you know, Last year, uh, all cards on the table, sort of, sort of throwing it all out there. Or you know, what's the what's the mentality coming in? Uh, you know, we picked fifth this year. Last year, we were picked seventh in the preseason. So, you know, I just feel like you know we got a chip on our shoulder to you know prove the Big East and prove everybody in the country what we can do and you know how good of a team we can really be. Awesome. Well, we appreciate the time. We know you have practice tonight, yeah, so you got to <laughs> get the train back yeah, up yeah. to Providence. Yeah. So, but we appreciate the time and uh, good luck this season. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> And that was just our New York City trip in 20 minutes. A lot of great interviews, a lot of great content. You're going to be seeing stuff spread across the board on our YouTube, all of our Instagram accounts, TikTok, uh, especially House of College Hoops, uh, especially with Big East, the 12 days of Big East Miss. We're leading up to Big East basketball and college hoops returning. So content across the board. That was just a little smorgasbord of some of our favorite moments. And uh, we appreciate all the support to help us get there. So thank you. Yeah, it was a sick uh, time in New York, of course. going to be a great college basketball season. Really pumped about it. Um, beers. Let's dive right into it. We've got our segment as well. Can't forget about the uh, the core of the pod here. Um, anything you want to shout out this week? Um, Nothing yet. No, I really don't. I'm looking on Untapped right now. It wasn't really a big beer week. Um, I can go while you're, uh, while you're scavenging here. Um, I had Beowulf brewing for the first time ever. Uh, Beowulf is in Amesbury, Massachusetts. So way up in the North shore of that Sylvan street grill in on the Peabody Danvers line, um, couple of days ago at this point um they had an impressive draft beer menu so get the sylvan street grill great food great beer and i tried a beer called pina colossus um it did not taste like a pina colada like i thought the name suggested um but it was a very hoppy ipa and it was very good uh, Beowulf has a physical location in Amesbury, but they technically are a nano brewery. So I'm not sure if they distribute a bunch, but it's a very, uh, you know, I'm hanging on to summer still. It was 68 degrees, um, in Rhode Island today at one point, or I think it's going to be 68 on Thursday, actually. Um, hanging on by a thread. This was a perfect beer to keep me in that space. Um, sabro hops which is one i have not tasted uh but it sort of it you know what it almost tasted like was grocery store joe which we've made uh pineapple was in it there was not mango like we did grocery store joe nor was there lactose but the flavor was very much there for that reason i gave it a 375 i think it was good 
I would have it again. Um, stronger beer. Only 34 have rated it because it's only on location and distribution. So I'm going to go check out Beowulf a bit more. Beowulf in Amesbury, Mass. And that is a review on Pina Colossus. Uh, good beer. I'm in a pickle. What can I review that is an old one out of the bag? I'm just looking and nothing really is striking a fancy right now. I guess to stick with IPAs and summary and stuff like that, I had a triple IPA from Grim Artisanal Ales, a microbrewery in Brooklyn. It is called Zonk. I give it a 3.75. It's a global rating of 4.25 on untapped. It's a big beer with all of our favorite hops, triple hopped with mosaic, Simcoe, Citra, and an immense amount of galaxy. The beer is loud with powerful aromas of cantaloupe, strawberry, honeydew, and cannabis. Mm. That's where he gets the zonk from. 10% ABV is well hidden within the immense juicy hops of the explosions. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, it was to balance out the spread that I got from um malted barley in providence i think i had all pumpkin beers looking back on untapped triple ipa i'm always curious about to see if it's too overpowering i didn't think it was too overpowering i did not taste any cannabis so my apologies to grim artisanal do you feel any cannabis at least i don't think so i do not think so i remember tasting the mosaic and hops and galaxy hops but cannabis no triple Sure, 3.75. Interesting review, but that's all right. (laughs) We're closing in on nearly the end of like New England IPA season. It really sucks. Um, You know, I did have the other day as well as Montauk Summer Ale. Uh, I had some leftover from the massive amount of beer uh, that we had to ration off. And it was still pretty good. Montauk Summer Ale is like one of those old reliables. That always hits well. Anything from Montauk's pretty spot on. Was that? I think you re- you've reviewed just about everything, but the blueberry uh, beer from there, right? Was it blueberry or some other fruit beer? I don't know. They did some really good stuff. Uh, watermelon too. Watermelon. watermelon. That was the one. Um, Montauk's had some good stuff, but we're getting thick into the fall to winter. I, it's going to be stout season before we know it. We're going to have to do our stout pod and review some stouts. And I'm not ready for it. Uh, not, it's not yet. December. It's, it's close. It's close. December. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's like there's a weird time. It's like brown and red ales and stuff that strike a chord. So we'll we'll see what comes up. I'm still trying to enjoy the Oktoberfest, even though it's November. I know. There's still a nice window that you can drink like pumpkin beer up right up to late November, which is good. And same with Oktoberfest beer. That's not too. I missed all that. September came and went, and so did October. Did not get to celebrate accordingly. It's going to be November. It's going to be November. Going to be November. That means college basketball and it means uh, football playoffs are coming. It's The football season's almost halfway over. That sucks. We have some quarterback controversy, even though Max starting, which is silly. Yes, we silly, do. Silly, silly, silly. I, uh, I mean, I guess we can, we can go there. It's a, it's a natural transition. I'm going to get on my soapbox for 30 seconds. We'll take rebuttals. Why, why, why is Bill Belichick playing this whole college thing? He's doing this whole, our quarterback is going to be, we, we've got a plan. We'll figure it out. No, what the fuck? Ride the hot hand is my opinion, but even if you don't stick with the guy, come on. God. And that's my rant. It's like, you should have just stuck with one of the guys. First of all, bad move on the Patriots fans for Channing Zappi to get into the game. Um, I wanted them in the game. If I was there, would I have chanted it? Who says no? It's not good. It's not good. It's like you're giving up on your quarterback. Um, And yeah, sure. Max sucked. He threw, it was three for six with 13 yards and a pick. Not ideal. 
Zappi had two great drives. Where was he the rest of the day? Loose that was a weird, a weird way of saying like, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. Don't tell me that was a plan, Bill Belichick. That no. was that was you finally got caught up with the crowd and being down in a game that you should have won by twenty, not lost. No. Um, I mean, I don't want to say that like Max like completely out because he's starting, but I would not be surprised if he's not if he's benched again. Oh, I wouldn't either. So it's just a weird, like you ride the hot hands and I understand that like you draft a quarterback in the first round and he shouldn't be replaced by some rookie, but nobody's jobs are safe. You're not a playoff team right now. You're not even the, you're the third. No, no, they're in last place. You're the last place team in your conference in your division. In the division at least. Yeah. I understand that, you know, I understand Matt comes back healthy and he's supposed to be your guy, but might as well change it up and at least ride with the zappy kid for one full game. Yeah. He's not like, I'm not going to pretend he's this godsend that's ready to, that's going to win rookie of the year, right? He's not, he's got a little extra zip on his throws, no pun intended or zap. Um, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Wrote my blog, um, and I, you know, obviously had to address the situation here. I'm not going to predict who's going to be the guy anymore because it's pointless. There's no merit, no rhyme or reason every week to decide like, oh, yeah, it's probably going to be Mac. It's probably going to be Bailey. Not doing it because Bill's playing this game with us. All right, cool, whatever. Um, I'm worried. I am very worried. Week seven no week eight going to play the new york jets in new jersey never thought i would say that not this soon i think the jets are overrated i think so too i think they're i think they're overcompensating and i just don't think they're that incredible of a team now they're playing very well and they have a very good record and they'll probably beat the patriots but I mean, I think by the time middle of the season and forward goes on, the rightful spot is going to be Bills 1, Dolphins 2. Jets pass, battle it out for the bottom. At this rate, you're probably right. Um, the Jets have one solid win, and it's against the Packers. And some people say that it's that, that the Packers suck and it's not a good win, but it's, it's still it a good dominant. Win. It's still a good 27 win. 27 to 10 at Lambeau. I think that's a very still good a very good win. And losing Brees Hall is very tragic. Hopefully that James Robinson can come in, which was just a weird move by the Jaguars doing that. That was uh, odd. Weird move because like you're really not in the position to, I guess, well, they're not in the position to make a jump just yet. So get some picks while you can. I think they got a fourth rounder for him, which was pretty solid. But then again, uh robert quinn gets traded to the eagles for a fourth rounder so like is 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 james robinson equivalent to robert quinn i don't think so no no he fills fills a void he fills a void he does uh with that we'll go into contenders and pretenders um i'm pretty sure i picked the jaguars for our last contender and that was bad that was a bad move they're two and five that was my first crucial error of the uh, the NFL year this year. Um, off the bat, do you have a contender or pretender that you would like to shout out? Um, so my pretender is going to be, I think the Packers. I think the Packers are pretending, and I expect them to. I don't know if they're going to buy and I don't think they're going to sell, but I don't think they're going to help Aaron Rodgers. I really think that they're not in the position to make multiple moves to improve that team. They need help on the offensive line front. They need help in the receiving core. Their defense can get bolstered up. That's too many moves for a team that still, I think it's just on the outside looking in. I think, not that Father Time's catching up, but Aaron Rodgers is playing his final games at at 
in Lambeau Field and with the Packers, I personally think. So I, I'm going to list him as a pretender. I'll actually piggyback off a pretender for you because I think Tom Brady, old quarterback, similar vein. Um, And I get it. He's got a lot of other stuff that runs way deeper than football going on right now. But the issue is not all with him. They're an injured bunch. They're right. And that's where I'm going with it. It's like how much longer he's 45, like, and his family life is in disarray. Like, is he going to sit there and take getting blown out? like shithoused by the Carolina Panthers 21 to three. How much longer is he going to take that for? And you want to know something screwed up. The Buccaneers are leading the division right now. They're three and four the trash division place. They, this is a pretending team right now in current state, maybe when they're healthy, whatever right now they're pretenders that I mean, and they'll probably still win that division because you have the saints, which are in a little bit of a quarterback drama themselves of we're still going to ride with Andy Dalton, even though Jameis Winston's now healthy, I don't get that. have the talent, but you can't string together shit. You have the Falcons who actually could be the surprise team under Marcus Mariota with their little offensive I mean, that's thinking, crew right? that, that they have. Yeah. I, I do like how the Falcons play and they cover the spread. They're a good covering team. And then the Panthers, which are, making weird moves where it's like you're riding with pj walker to upset the bucks um then you have you're trading cmc away but then you're not trading burns for two first round picks when you traded seven picks eight picks for staff uh for uh sam darnold and baker mayfield and none of those guys are going to see the field again in the panthers blue like you take the picks where you can get it you are so many years and so many pieces out Never would have thought the way the uh, the way they played the other day against Carolina or against uh, Tampa Bay, I should say. PJ Walker and Taylor Heineke making the XFL relevant. Oh, what a world! All right, who is your contender this week? Well, I think after the Giants beat the Seahawks this week, I will officially mark them as contenders. Mm. But I'm going to hold off on that to relieve my bias. I think an actual contender is because I'll I'll stick in the Packers division. I think the Vikings. I think the Vikings are actually a team that can do some damage come the postseason. Um, that division is clearly very, very easy as long as the Packers are struggling, where the Lions and Bears are, you know, not these dominant, crazy teams. Now, they don't have, like, the most impressive resume just yet. I mean, the Dolphins' win is obviously big, but Bears, Saints, Lions, a fat loss to the Eagles, and then the Packers, you're a 5-1 and one as, as you should be, as you should be. Now, the real test of time to see if they're actually contending is obviously this Cardinals game, which the Cardinals are – you know, they're not an easy team, but they're not a good team. But then you have Bills, Cowboys, Jets, Giants, Packers again. You have a tough stretch of uh, games to prove that you're actually contending. But as of right now, you know, I'm liking what Kirk Cousins doing. I think um, they have a very good offensive trio. You know, Kirk Cousins doesn't have to be incredible when you have guys like Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith. Like, they're, they they make it easy for him. Yeah, he just needs to throw it to him. That's it. That's it. <laughs> like you said, Irv Smith in there too. I mean, he's a good tight end. Yeah, he's a good tight end. I was gonna say he's. I mean, he's got to be top fifteen this year. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Captain Kirk can be mid if he wants to. So I'm gonna take the other side of the Giants uh, game this upcoming week. Right now in present state. The Seahawks look like they're they haven't skipped a beat. It's the weirdest thing. I can't stand the Seahawks for some pretty clear cut reasons. But God, who hurt Geno Smith? That he's coming out here and he's carving up everybody. He looks like he is in years one to three form when he was with the Jets. Like no, good enough where he can make an impact. I think he looks better than what he was on the jets. 
Yeah, I, I actually would say the same. I'm trying to pull up his stats. Um, if they can figure it out defensively, like consistently enough, I'm not saying they can make a run, but I'm, I am saying it would be silly to say that Pete Carroll can't and I hate him. So his, his first year, he was eight and eight on the jets, 3,046, 3,046 yards passing 12 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Holy shit. He was that bad? And his second year when they were th- they it just got worse. He was 3 and 10, 2500 yards, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. This year he has 1700 yards passing with an 11 11 and 3 touchdown to interception ratio. So, it's clear, I mean, he looks the best he has then. I thought he was better on the Jets. Wow. He had the most passing yards in a single season by a rookie quarterback in 2013 with the over 3000 yards. Oh, that's pretty cool. But I mean, again, right system, right coach, better talent. Who was Gino throwing to in 2013? An old Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, who was halfway out the door. I don't think though. I think that's actually after their whole little run of magic. Um, I mean, you got guys like Lockett and whatever running back that the Seahawks want to put out and somehow does numbers. And Pete Carroll, who can manage the guy, I think it's just right system, right time that he unlo- he unleashes this, uh, what he had at West Virginia. Yeah, I'm amazed that I don't know. It just opens up the whole can of worms with Russ. It's like what a shit trade that's seeming to be right now. I, it's so early. It is so early, and they signed Russ to a five year deal. I think it's. I think he'll be just fine. I really do. That's a take, and I, I, it's super trendy to like hate Russ right now and say he sucks, but part of me is like, man, this like he has some weapons on this team. Is and maybe it's because of Hackett. The reviews aren't great on him already, but again, it's year one. I don't know. He's got a lot of weapons on that offense, which is the only thing that worries me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the Broncos. I They are certainly pretenders right now. Uh, there's no question about it. They just got, they just took a terrible loss to the Jets. 16 to nine. Not good. And that's the NFL. Uh, Giants Seahawks should be exciting this week in Seattle. Only two games this week of two teams with winning records. That's embarrassing. There is no other game with two teams with winning records. Well, we'll have to figure out like who we can have on in the coming weeks to explain why the hell offenses are like the whole offense defense switching thing. Like it's, I guess it's becoming much more easy to pick somebody up and, and to like blitz them or so. I don't know. I need to look into that more. I mean, it's not like you can say like balls are deflated or anything, or I, I don't know. I think it's just, the gap of coaching is more narrow now where like defensive schemes truly are such a interchangeable, like teams are doing a lot of new things. Whereas like the offense is kind of pretty stagnant. You have your shotgun, your, your shotgun quarterbacks, you have your scramblers, you have your pocket passers, you have your eye formation, you have your wildcat and everyone's like, Oh, this wildcat shit's pretty innovation. It's what do you mean? It's the running backs either going to run it or it's going to be a double flea flicker. Like, you know, <laughs> you should know what the play is. Whereas defense has on steroids, basically. Pretty much. Whereas, like, um, defense, it's like you have your cornerbacks and safeties now blitzing, and linebackers can drop into coverage, but also line up as edge rushers. There's so much mix and match where, you know, these guys can play anywhere on the field pretty competitively it's the least efficient offense and defense in in history of the league right now it's crazy yeah it's nuts um i don't know uh we were there of course for alds uh, game five in the bronx it was great thought it was on top of the world and then the yankees got bounced 
uh, in four games by the Houston. And now it's the Astros and the Phillies in the World Series. Because, yes, that's what everybody had. A six seed in the National League and the number one overall in the American Houston Astros. Now, I did not expect the Phillies to get this far. Um, but they've proven they have the juice. I don't know if that means they can compete with the Houston Astros is my only fear. I'm riding with the Phillies. This reminds me of that Nationals team that just got hot at the right moment. And I think that's what's special about baseball is whoever is hot at the right moment. Um, Bryce Harper is playing so incredibly how everyone envisioned. Kyle Schwarber's hidden bombs. Like the guy is just a maniac. And like the whole story of firing Girardi, which is just such a tough thing to see because it's like, I'm a Girardi guy. And, you know, trying to figure out if they're buying or selling at the deadline and they made some moves getting rid of DD and, you know, they kind of bought at the deadline getting like guys like Noah Syndergaard, um, Philly Bob there, you know, (laughs) Rob Thompson just coming in and being the interim manager and, you know, earning, get dropping that interim title. So I like, I like the underdog mentality. I like the, the hot hand. I, I think that the Phillies take care of business. And I hope so. But then on the flip side, it's like the Phillies are going to now equate to financial crisis, according to history and the Mayan calendar and all of that shit. So obviously the Phillies are going to win because we're just in economic turmoil and the simulation writes itself. You may be right. I just think there's no stop in Houston this year. You saw what they did to one of the most powerful offenses in baseball. And yeah, maybe some of that was on the Yankees. I I don't know. I think I may be with our very own Chris Hanold. This could be the makings for one of the most dominant postseasons by a team ever. Um, At this current rate, the way they're going, the way you can't cool these bats down. Maybe Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler can, but Houston Astros look better than ever. But like, are they though? Because coming into this postseason, Altuve has two hits. Bregman's on a little bit of a slow streak. Like you have just random players like Pena, who's not a random player. He's he's an AL Rookie of the Year candidate. Chaz McCormick, you know Chaz McCormick, and you know Maldonado and 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 Kyle Mancini. You know it's like it's just a random. They're they're just the Astros are just such a well constructed team where you know their pitching gets it done top to bottom. And if their starters get bounced early, their bullpen's going to come in and not give up a single run. Yeah, there's no holes, which really sucks. No uh, it's it's good baseball, but it like, sucks for everybody else. So your prediction is Phillies in six, correct? Or is it Phillies in six? Phillies in six. I'm taking uh, Houston in six on the other end. I think Phillies will put up a fight. I think they will. But this could be – this could spell some trouble. We'll talk about the offseason – at some other point, because I don't want to get pissed off about Aaron Judge right now. Um, Because there's a lot to be pissed about. Uh, We'll wrap up real quick. The Lakers are the worst shooting team in NBA history as we're recording this. And we just talked about this on the football house. Um, Holy shit. What is going on in the NBA right now? The the Lakers are just so God awful. I mean, we've proven or the Lakers have proven that you signed a bunch of old heads and you've got a lot of bad shit coming to you, basically. The Lakers just have no depth. It's just like the worst constructed team ever. I'd rather the team that they had last year with a bunch of old heads than what they have now. I mean, like Austin Reeves is your is in the starting five Yikes. and Matt Ryan is your sixth man. And you have no faith in Russell Westbrook. It's whoever is, you know, constructing this team. And I know you have no, no more draft picks and LeBron kind of has final say with stuff, but oh my goodness, like you, if, if there's one thing you can go back in time, it's not trading for Russ because I think the deal was just bad for both parties. No one won. Nobody won that one. It's no one won that one because it's like he hinders off not being the, you know, main ball handler slash number one, number two option. He cannot accept the fact that he's a number three guy, nor can LeBron accept the fact that he needs to be down in the pecking order, but he can't afford to because he has to score 30 points a game for them to even do anything. 
it's it's just a team that is just right now, and we're talking four games, five games into a season, which is so early to judge something. They're held by paper mache and 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 glue sticks. They are just they. I don't know what they need to do. I don't know what they need to do. I mean, start over, move to Vegas. I mean, they, piss, they piss so many people off. You can't move that franchise. It's I hate to say it, but like I don't think even trading Russ is the like. What does that do? Not for? Solve it. It's not going to solve anything. You have no. You have no depth. No pieces. Nothing. Nothing. Because yeah, what is this team going to say? Yeah, I'll take Russ. Sure. <laughs> no way. What is even this depth chart? Like I don't even know half these guys. Juan Toscano. Lakers depth chart. Mellow experiment did not work. No. So Dennis Schroeder's out. Yeah. Kendrick Nunn is eh. He's got a heat. I mean, like, you're starting five. Russ, who's now going to be on the bench. Pat Bev, Lonnie Walker, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Like, okay. Austin Reeves. Juan Toscano. Wenyan Gabriel. Troy Brown. Wenyan Gabriel is right. Like, you're expecting LeBron and AD to be playing like 45 minutes a game and to score 80 points. And you know Anthony Davis is brittle. He's getting old. Getting yeah. Old. Not even he's not even that old. He's just fucking frail. These are his knees are just shot. That's why the Lakers got they're they're a bubble team. They just need to be good for a 20 game stretch. That's all they needed. <laughs> that ain't going to happen this year, my friends. No. no. So down with big basketball and the Lakers are going straight down. It's the curse of crypto.com arena. I'll leave it there. Oh, um, business we'll dive back into next week. We'll do a full segment on Elon going to Twitter um, and Adidas too. cutting off Kanye. It's going to be $246 million loss for them. A uh, little teaser of what's to come because we could break this shit all down. We could break it all down. Uh, we, but we will table, we will table for one Oh two. That is our show. Um, hope you enjoyed our big East content and, uh, our appearance on macro dosing. Of course, go follow road to the garden, go follow house of college hoops. You can see the full length conversations our quick chats with Patrick Ewing, Andy Katz, and much more all on social media for you. That's episode 102. That's Will. And I'm Jake. So long, everybody. Take it easy.